Are you ready, kids? Aye, aye, Captain! Look at me, short. I'm the captain now. Welcome to the Supercoach Co-Captains Podcast. Hello and welcome to another pre-season edition of the Supercoach Co-Captains Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Dano, and with me as always, we have the people's mullet, Pato. Welcome, Pato. G'day, Dano. Hello, listeners. Uh, yeah, a bit more data now um, to to go through, Dano, with another round of practice matches. So it's all getting very real now, and um, this is always a pretty anxious couple of weeks because you make 47 changes to your team every single day and you never really get happy. So... Yeah, exciting times. Yeah, fuck oath. I've made a bajillion different changes. But anyway, we are going to be focusing on midfielders and the primos and mid prices, not rookies. Um, and yeah, to start us off, Pato, who's our number one midfielder that we're going to discuss? Uh, it's got to be the man, uh, Rory Laird. Uh, I, I can't see a world in which he's not the number one mid again. Dano is the model of consistency. Um, we were talking pre pre recording Dano and what he didn't drop below 90 odd, uh, which is just absurd when you think of other really top notch mids that generally have one or two really low scores where they just get a super hard tag. But Rory Laird is just, just the man that pushes through. So I'm shocked. He's only on 22%, uh, in yep, um, 22% of teams. What's his, uh, price there, Pato? 703,900. So you're paying premium top dollar, but as Pato said, his lowest score last year was a 93, and it was the only one. Uh, he had a high of 156. Um, we're crunching a lot of data with this podcast after people were like, Dano, where the fuck's the data gone? And I'm like, well, I'm going to have to bring this shit back. So for everyone at home, we're going to do last five average and last 10 average of last year. So his last five games, he averaged 131.8. and his last 10, he averaged 133.8. So really, he's he's just a fucking gun, and that's why you're playing top dollar for him. Yeah, absolutely. I I think he's a much better start than Clayton Oliver personally, but yeah, yep. that, that's just me. Yeah, and how much is Clayton Oliver our next boy, Pato? Clayton Oliver, yeah. Um, I I think he's a little bit susceptible to a tag, and he's got the Bulldogs in round one, so that's why I'm a little bit hesitant for starting. I mean, obviously, he's going to be in everyone's final team injury permitting so um yeah I, I i think it's a little bit of a hard start for me that's not the question i asked Pato. i asked how much he was um but he's six <laughs> we're starting off well again everyone um but yeah last year clayton oliver's highest score was 178 um, and but his lowest score was a sixty-eight. So as Pato said, uh, susceptible to that tag. Um, yeah, his last five games he averaged one hundred and fifteen point four, and his last ten was one hundred and twenty-nine point two. So it is valid to pick him. Um, but yeah, he's going to have one of those games where he gets tagged or whatnot, and he just has a downer, and his price does go down. But I feel like you got to start one of Oliver or Laird. Or even both. In the greens, Pato? Uh, yeah, I, I'm just looking at fixtures, Dano, and, and I'm a little bit worried about Oliver, in fact, because his last two games are against Hawthorne and Sydney, who are both teams that do like a very hard tag. 
So just something to keep in mind. They are, of course, the Supercoach Finals. Yeah, keep those trades up your sleeve. Next one we got is Lockie Neal, who I feel like is being overlooked by many people, Pato. Do you know the percentage of um, teams that Lockie Neal is currently in? He is in 19%, so just below the ownership number of Rory Laird. I feel like he should be much higher than that. Um, His average last year was 122.8. His highest score, which is a big fucking plus, is 198, Pato. He was two points off cracking the the double ton. Um, But his, his finish towards the end of the year wasn't as extravagant as a Laird cracking 130 averages or even a Clayton Oliver who almost cracked the 130 average. His, his last 10 games, he only averaged 113. Um, so, but I feel like this year with the addition of Dunkley, their, their midfield at Brisbane is going to be so lit. And I think Lockie Neal will reap those rewards. Um, he, yeah, I just, I just feel like he's just being overlooked by way too many people. He did dislocate his thumb or finger in their first little trial game, but he popped it back in and he should be good. It'd be interesting to see how this dynamic plays out. And I think it's why a lot of people are sleeping on Neil, just with Neil and Dunkley. But we've seen even uh, last year with um, with the midfield group, you can easily have two guys averaging enough to to warrant starting in Oliver and and uh, Petrarca. And then you've got Bontempelli, McRae, Dunkley. Like there, there's a world in which you can easily average 120 plus both of them. Uh, I think people want to see the dynamic before starting Neil um, because everyone's starting Dunkley. So um, I can see merit in that. Neil has spent some time in my team in preseason. It's not currently, but I I don't see a world in where he drops below 115 and still is a top 10 mid. So I think he's fine. Yeah, that's fair enough. We'll move on to Tuke Miller, um, the Gold Coast Suns absolute beast who has had an interrupted preseason, so he won't be in Pado's team because he doesn't like interrupted preseason players. Uh, but he did average 120 last year, 120.3, in fact. Um, his highest score, Pado, was 167, but his lowest was a 59. And what, was that a tagged game, Pado? It was against the Dogs. I, I don't know whether it was a tag or not because I don't generally tag, but... Uh, Tuke, Mo- Tuke Miller is such a dominant guy. If you're going to tag, it'd be someone like him in a team that relies on him so much. But I, I think, yeah, the injury start, like he's coming off a soft tissue injury to start the year. Um, and he is susceptible. He's got Sydney round one as well. And I'd say Sydney welcome him back with a with a nice hard tag. So to know from me, but he's another one, just like with Tom Stewart, where I will be picking him off after his buy. Because uh, he's got that that buy in the second buy round um, with with Geelong. Yeah, he's currently six hundred and sixty two thousand, but he's still in twelve percent of teams, even with that interrupted preseason. I think people are feeling like he's got a bit of like Callum Mills last year, where Callum Mills didn't play a practice game at all, and then people thought he wasn't going to play round one, and he came out and he just blitzed the whole year. So, um, but with Took, his last five games, he averaged 127.4, which was the second highest amongst all midfielders um, behind Rory Laird. And then his last 10, he averaged 123.6. I think that ranked him about third. So he it's it's a warranted pick, but yeah, just question marks over whether he, when, when someone comes back with a soft tissue or whatnot, whether they'll get through it. So yeah, 
speaking of Callum Mills, because we just mentioned him, um, Callum Mills is the next one on our list um, at 642K. Um, he averaged 116.7 last year. Um, his highest pato was a double ton. It was a 214. So he's one of those guys that can absolutely fucking pop off. But with the big scores, there obviously comes the low, and his low was of 60 last year. Um, what, are you, what are your thoughts on Callum Mills? Yeah, I want to see the role first, and having not played this weekend, it, it makes it difficult. There's there's talks of a potential defensive role again this year. Now, I don't think that will be for 24 or 23 games this year. I feel like it'll be a little bit like last year where maybe against the, the Melbournes and Brisbane's of the world, he plays a more wing floating into defence role where he's shown that he only score sort of 90 to 100 odd. Um, and I think he'll play the odd game in the middle wherever he's needed. So I feel like the, the role will just shuffle around a little bit too much from my liking. Um, he could still probably average over 110 uh, playing in that role over the over the year. Um, but with a little bit of a, an interrupted preseason, he didn't play this weekend. Um, I can see why he's only in 5% of teams. And, and people were commenting on the first practice game where he did play um, with... Errol Goulden in the side um, in the middle. Uh, Callum Mills actually played forward. So we don't know whether it was just to try and get him through preseason or what. Um, but with Horse, he likes to use Callum Mills as a bit of a utility throw-around man. Um, so, yeah, I'm I'm steering clear. Um, and I'm pretty sure you are too after that, Pato. Yeah, yeah. I'll pick him up once he gets defensive status, hopefully. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Anyway, the next one's Marcus Bontempelli. Um, who is probably going to be a very popular pick, I'm assuming. Yep, he's in 28% of teams right now, and I think it's going to climb. Um, he averaged 116.1 last year. Um, his highest score, Pato, was 181, but his lowest was 88. So it was only just sub one, uh, sub 90. Um, but his last 10 average um, was 122 Supercoach points. So... What do you what do you think of this, um, Pato? Because a lot of people actually have him ranked as the top, well, in the top three for the mids this year. This is a, a very interesting one for me. I feel like people he's in double the amount of teams as Jack McRae, and we may as well bundle these two together because they're teammates. Yeah. Yep. I feel like McRae has a spike and goes back towards a one twenty plus average, and it wouldn't shock me if Bontempelli also did one twenty plus. I think the role can change a bit with Bontempelli, and I feel like with no Dunkley, I feel like that just solidifies him in that midfield. And if anyone watched the Dogs play on over the weekend in the official practice matches, uh, they're going with like four tall defenders with um, with Jamara, Eugle, Haig, and pretty much playing as like a fourth medium forward, and he's like 195 plus. So... It's almost like Dunkley, who played a lot of forward as that tall hybrid mid sort of guy. Um, they've taken him out. Obviously, well, he's gone to Brisbane. Obviously, um, I was I was worried that Bontempelli would play that pseudo midfielder slash forward role like Dunkley did last year. But with what they're trying to do with their forward line now, I feel like Bontempelli will play as that out and out forward. Now, the problem with Bontempelli is he picks up a lot of injuries and. He's the the type that gets an injury and then will play through it. 
and yeah. they'll manage him. So they'll put him on a wing. They'll put him up forward to make sure he's not running out games. Now, you can see that as a positive that you don't have to use a trade. I mean, he he, I think he had a knee towards the start of the year, Dano, and then he did a shoulder just before the buys mm. and still averaged 116, which um is pretty fucking unreal. So from all accounts, he's had an uninterrupted preseason. And if there's a guy that can have a real big spike here and, and move towards lead numbers with proper midfield minutes, I can absolutely see that being Bont and Pally. Personally, I think McRae is the one that will have that jump. I know he didn't have a bunch of CBAs over the weekend, but I feel like they're easing him into it and he will just, mm. yeah, him and Bontepelli will just rule that midfield. And I can see them both going 118 plus. Yeah. Um, you know, Bontepelli, I don't think he's ever averaged over 120. I don't think he ever has. No, I reckon he got close 2021. Um as the, the cursor on my laptop has just stopped working. So <laughs> luckily it's a touch screen. Uh just be a bit slower. But Yeah, you got one nineteen point seven in twenty twenty one. So he came close. Yeah. Three off. Yeah. So look, the guy gets forward, he kicks goals. Um really hard to really hard to to cover being 193 being you know 95 to 100 kegs um goal kicking midfielder he has been tagged previously um but honestly like he's so hard to tag yeah and i'm just going to point out that this is jack mcrae well last year was jack mcrae's lowest score since what 2016 or something um so you're getting him at a discount yeah, like, I think he's great value for money. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. Okay, so the next mid on our list is none other than Christian Petrarcapato. He averaged 112.4 last year. Um, obviously, he's that spark man in the middle for Melbourne. Um, his last five game average last year was 113.4 and his last 10 was 118.4. His highest score... In 2022 was a big 189, but that also came with a low of a 53. What are your thoughts on Christian Petrarca? Yeah, this guy is super frustrating to own. He is very inconsistent. Uh, big game player, so he'll tend to do well against the, the bigger clubs and the bigger games, but he'll have games where he plays more forward and just, yeah, gets you 70 or 80, which is super frustrating. But yeah, still a top eight mid last year. I can see things probably being very similar this year where they'll they'll shift him around a bit, which kind of uh kind of gives away his eight percent ownership as to what people are thinking. But uh yeah, I I, I can see him scoring very similarly again. Um probably a post buy sort of player for me. He tends to close out the years better than he starts them. Yeah. Yeah, and that's that's fair enough. Um he is six hundred and eighteen thousand. Um so yeah, probably better value elsewhere. Um, funnily enough, how old do you think Christian Petrarca is, Pato? He's only about twenty-four, isn't he? He's twenty-seven. He's older than I thought he was. Yeah, Clayton Oliver's twenty-five. Fucking Feel- Melbourne aren't going anywhere, are they? <laughs> Feels weird, doesn't it? Yeah, they're going to be strong again this year. Yep. Yep. Um, but yeah, so I, I reckon avoid there because we're going to discuss a few guys around a similar price point shortly, um, that are 
present better value, I reckon. And one of them being the new Essendon captain in Zach Merritt, Pato. He averaged 112.2, so only 0.2 different from Christian Petrarca. Now, his top score last year was 150, but his lowest again was a 57. He he finished off the season. His last 10 games was 119.2 average, and his last five were 113.4. He ends up rounding out from rounds 12 to 23. His average um, ended up being about 116.5. So he's also 27. Um, what, are, what are your thoughts on... Zach Merritt, the new captain. Merritt is always an interesting one. Um, he, he tend he's another guy that tends to do well better after the buy. Um, but he's gone one about one fifteen for three years in a row now. So, I think he's put himself firmly in that bona fide premium status. I, I think people are sleeping on him a little bit. Um, I don't I don't know if the captaincy is really going to be life-changing for him. Um, obviously, it is life-changing. I worded that wrong. But I don't think it's going to have a huge <laughs> positive impact on his playing ability. But he's going to keep getting the job done. And they've picked up a, a nice inside ball, Dano, to help him be more of an outside guy. And I think that may help him a little bit. I can see him going back up to about 115, but I think he'll stay about the same. Yeah, that's, that's fair enough. Um, yeah, I reckon he'll just be around the same price point. So he's, he's a consistent player. Um, but some people are thinking maybe now he's captain, he'll demand that ball a bit more. So like he'll come through for a cheeky handball, like, oh, he pa- like pass it to me, but didn't work with Cornelio. So Hawthorne ran one is a little bit nerv- unnerving as well. Yes. Uh, they will tag. So, but who do they tag out of him or Parrish? We can discuss that once we get to Parrish. Well, They'll tag both. Yeah. Um, next one we got uh, around a similar price point um, is Andrew Brayshaw, your boy, Pato. Um, now, he averaged 111.8 last year. His highest score was a big 189. His lowest score was a 77. His last five game average was not so great. It was 104.2. Um, so still just above 100. Um, but his last 10 was 110.5. So it ended up working out to be from rounds 12 to 23, a 110.7 average. So he's only 23. I'm bringing up ages now. He's only 23. Uh, but what are your thoughts on the man, Andrew Brayshaw? Because I cannot pick him because I feel like there is a better, there's going to be a better Frio midfielder, in my opinion. It's funny you say that because I'm now off Brayshaw after being on him for a long time, and I've also swapped him to his teammate. Oh, we will talk. Of, do, should we just jump to his teammate? Yeah, let's do it. Let's just okay. So the teammate that we're talking about is none other than Will Brody, the absolute freaking machine from last year. So he and everyone thinks that he's freaking late twenties for some reason. He's only twenty four. Um, he averaged one hundred. Don't know. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And being up on the Gold Coast doesn't do you much good around the toilet cubicles. Um, anyway, 102.2 was his average last year. Now, his highest was 144. His lowest was a 61. But the thing that we want to take out of this, Pato, is what was he in the competition last year? Points per minute. 
time on green. Uh, number one. He was fucking lit. Uh, he was in the top two players, apparently. Um, yeah, it's just... And he's had his first full season crack at midfield, and he's a contested ball beast. And I reckon that he will... Abs will. <laughs> he will absolutely... He'll improve on his average this year, and I honestly think that he will affect Andrew Brayshaw's scoring. Um, yeah. So you're, you've actually swapped him to Will Brody. Yeah, Brayshaw is going to play a little bit more wing like he did last year, Dono, and I hate that. If if he was going to be out now at midfield, I'd be all over Brayshaw like a rash. But I think with the pickup of O'Meara, now looking at the CBAs from the weekend, O'Meara had 80% CBAs and so did Caleb Sarong. Brayshaw had 76. Will Brody, mind you, he had 36 touches and six tackles for 117 Supercoach, had 64% CBAs. Yeah. Like the guy just walks on the park and gets points, and they've built his tank over the the preseason. Yep, like, he's over seventy percent on time on ground, um, which they in preseason they nurse they were nursing him through. So when we say nursing him through, yeah, I think last year in the preseason he was like fifty percent. Yeah, more towards sixty, but yeah, he um certainly wasn't. Uh, super high with his time on ground. I'm seeing if I can find it on the Supercoach website, but um, just, yeah, absurd points per minute. I think his role is absolutely set as that inside mid. He's not going to go towards 90% game on time uh, time on ground because he just, just because oh, he yeah. can't, he can't. Um, but yeah, the, the guy gets about 1.2 points per minute, which is absurd. So yeah, if if he's playing ninety minutes of a one hundred and twenty minute game, um, he's getting you one hundred and ten or so, and that's just on average. So oh, I can see spiking up that average up to yeah. at least one ten, one fifteen, and Freo are going to be good uh, once again, and he's in just two percent of teams. So absolute bolter for mine, and I I feel like he's being slept on hard. Yeah, I crunch those numbers, Pato. People one of the numbers crunched, and when we started looking at him, we're like, "Holy fuck, this is just yeah." He's gonna, I reckon, he's gonna be absolutely mental, and yeah, I I prefer him myself over Brayshaw. What's his percentage ownership, Will Brody, at the moment? As I said, two percent. Yeah, that's fucking pod galore. Um, yeah, fuck. Anyway, the the other savior of um, or he could be cursed towards the end of last year. Um, for us super coaches was George Hewitt. Now he is now just a sole mid. Um, his average last year was 111.4. Um, his highest score was 131, but his lowest was an 87. Um, his last five game average was 102.2. His last 10 was 108.1, but his round 12 to 23 average was 101.3. So he's on the list. Um, he was just ultra consistent. Wasn't getting anything over 140 plus. Well, his highest was 131. So, um, and but he only played the 15 games. So that's the the wary bit. What are your thoughts on George Hewitt? Because I I can't bring myself to pick him in classic, um, but I think he's going to still do good. I'll tell you what, Dano. This has shades of Rory Laird the year that he became just a midfielder. Yeah. 
who still scored 115-plus as just a midfielder, and people slept on him because he was no longer available as a defender, and he still just pumped out the scores. And I feel like Hewitt could, yeah, get into that top 10 sort of range. He was 11th-ranked midfielder for average last year. Ahead of Cripps, ahead of Walsh, which is pretty absurd to think about. Now, he only played 15 games, but... Yeah, if you're talking PODs, Dano, he's in 1% of teams. And I can't see a world where he goes down unless he changes roles. But with Walsh out for the start of the year and he's going to play that midfield role, we know that. Mm. I can see him leapfrogging a Brayshaw or a Petrarca into that top 10 midfielders and, yeah, 1% of teams. Yeah, he did slut it up in that um, Pracky game too, by the way, Pato. Um, Yeah, 129 supercoach with 13 tackles. Yep, fucking double-doubles everywhere. Um, we'll go on to his teammate, Patrick Cripps, uh, who is very similarly aged, apparently. Hewitt is actually one year younger. Didn't know that. Um, so Patrick Cripps, 111.1 average, a high of 162, a low of a 38. Um, his last five-game average, though, is very, very tantalizing with a 121.2 pato. Um, so he did spike towards the end of the last five games last year. Um, but his, his round 12 to 23 average was 107.3, which includes those five games where he averaged 121.2. So what are your thoughts on Patrick Cripps? He did have that rolled ankle and whatnot that people were like, well, oh, is that going to affect him? But I don't think it has. It's, it's worth noting that Patrick Cripps, Got subbed out of that game. He had 38 last year at quarter time, and I remember vividly because he was my captain. Um, But the guy played 21 games last year, which is the most he's played his whole career. So from a health perspective, that was always a knock on Patrick Cripps. Uh, I I can see him, yeah, being around the same mark again this year. Uh, He's in 12% of teams, though, so I feel like the risk of picking him would be mitigated if he was in less than 10% or sort of sitting about 5%. But I don't like it as a starting pick. I want to wait and see. I want to see what the roles are with Walsh whenever he returns uh, and just to see how that Carlton midfield settles. But I'm not going to begrudge someone for starting Patrick Cripps because I think, yeah, I mean, he's going to start off with a 140 in round one. So Mm. His lowest without that sub game was a 78. So... He did drop below 100, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8 times, including the sub game, 7 times without the sub game. So, yeah. Um, look, I don't mind it. I honestly don't mind it. But, yeah, his body is what we're worried about. Um, so, yeah, if you want to roll the dice with it, go for it. Um, we'll talk about quickly. You've just, got to, you, you've just got to be aware of his the yeah. risks. Speaking of risks, Sam Walsh. So we don't know whether he's going to start round one or not. Um, I'm ruling him out just because, yeah, you don't know whether he's going to fucking play or not. Um, and Isn't yeah. he adding definitely? Is he adding definitely now? I don't think there's a timeline on his return. So I, oh, I, I thought it said three to four weeks. No, nah, there's a line through him. He's, he won't yeah. play round one. Yeah, okay, that's fair enough. That's fair enough. Um, we'll move on to Darcy Parish then. So the other one that we were talking about with Zach Merritt. Uh, so Darcy Parish got 110.9 average last year. 142 was his high. Um, a 51 was his low, and that was not injury affected at all. Um, 
I don't believe, Pato. Um, his last five round average, though, was a 94.6. Not the greatest thing you want to look at, uh, especially when he only played 16 games. Um, his last 10 average was 110.2. Um, but if you look at rounds 12 to 23 alone, he averaged 94.6. So make of that what you will. Um, everyone is talking him up on other podcasts saying that he's going to be a top five mid this year. I'm still not sure. I think there's other people that can pass him. I reckon he's adequately, he's adequately priced um, for my, for mine. What are you, your thoughts there, Pato? Until he shows that he can get through a tag. I am not touching Darcy Parrish at all. He sulked his way through a tag on the weekend and got, what was it, nine touches, ten touches, and just didn't look interested. Uh, preseason game, um, yeah, people will tag you. So you've got, you, you've got to do your fucking job, Parrish. And, <laughs> yeah, no, no for me. Yep. Well, speaking of a guy that never really goes too well in the preseason then is Jack Steele. <laughs> I like that segue. Um, so Jack Steele historically doesn't give a fuck about preseasons. <laughs> from what we've seen him with his preseason scores. Um, he didn't go too well again. Uh, but anyway, his average last year was 109.8. Um, he's got a high of a 143 last year, a low of a 58. His last five-round average was 105.2. His last 10-game average was 106.4. But when you look at rounds 12 to 23 only, his average was 110, Pato. What are your thoughts? He, only yeah, played, he I- played 18 games last year. Upgrade target for me. Um, he's he's a bit of a post buy specialist historically, and he's got the round twelve buy. So I think he'll be right for the picking coming off that. Um, he, he might have some big scores early on, but he'll also have some shit scores. Um, he also plays Hawthorne in round eleven, so that is just before their buy. He'll get a nice Finn, Cal- no, not Finn Callahan. It's a fucking <laughs> Finn McGuinness. He'll get Finn McGuinness round eleven. Uh, his break even might even be high enough to sort of target him in round 14 at, at, at the last buy round. But yeah, no from me to start. Even 16% of the competition disagree with me, but not not to start with. I, I prefer some guys that are a bit cheaper. Yep, that's fair enough. He is 604.4K. So um, he is a discount on him from previous years. Uh, we're not going to talk about Dunkley. He's going to be in the forward line podcast. Um, so we're going to move on to... A man that Pado has a fucking thing for and I have a thing for every year and Pado's going to pick him again this year and new coach, everything like that. It's Josh Kelly of the Giants. Uh, he played 21 games last year with an average of 105.2, um, a high of 156 and a low of 62. I'm not even going to go through his last five and 10 game averages because they're both below 100. <laughs> But new coach factor, named solely mid under Kingsley. Um, Very good word, solely mid under Kingsley. No half forward fucking weird shit that Leon Cameron and that were doing. So, Pato, thoughts, Josh Kelly. At about 582K. I've used this analogy before, but these Giants mids, (laughs) I just like the hot girl that you slept with in high school. They were no, no good other than just... A, a nice night and um, you move on and then they call you up again and ask how you're going. And then you're just like, <laughs> yeah. Um, 
I'm I'm doing it. I'm getting sucked in again. <laughs> um, Josh Kelly is in my team. He played 21 games last year, which is brilliant. I'm backing him to he he's not going to get fucked around with this year. I'm confident of that. Richmond, yeah. that Richmond factory of coaches, we don't fuck around with with putting Josh Kelly in the forward pocket or any of that bullshit. Like we got a midfielder, we're going to play him in the midfielder. Even if it's a Dion Prestia that gets injured every fucking game he plays in the midfield, he's playing midfield. So four percent of teams, which is absurd to me. We all know how well Kelly can do when he's playing in the midfield. I don't see any wing bullshit. I don't see any half forward bullshit. Josh Kelly is in the mids. Mm-hmm. Five hundred and eighty-two thousand. He's priced at about 105. We know that's a 115, 120 guy when playing sole midfield. We'll talk about our predicted rankings later on, Dano, in the podcast, but um, let's just give a little clue that Josh Kelly will be featuring in my predicted top 10. Mate, I crunched so much fucking data, I forgot to even do my top 10, to be honest, man. Uh, so I'm going to have to do it on the fly. Uh, but yeah, Josh Kelly, sole mid. He's going to be one of the two sole mids picked and then the third mid for the Giants will chop and change. Uh, but he is one of them that will stay there. So I I like it, but I like a teammate of his better. And I can't, and you know how I don't like to pick too many from the same lo- team in the same line. Should we just jump straight to that then? Fuck it, we'll jump straight to it. It's Tom Green of the Giants, the 22-year-old fucking Patrick Cripps clone. Um, so last year he averaged 97.1 doesn't sound too tantalizing, um, but his high was 164 and that's when he was playing as a sole mid and that was round one last year. His low was a 49. Um, and I'm going to go through his round 12 to 20. Actually, no. Yeah. I'll go through his round 12 to 23 average and then compare it to when we, we have to try and compare when he was playing sole mid under Leon Cameron versus when he was chopped and changed under McVeigh. So under McVeigh, he averaged about an 85. Doesn't sound good, does it, Pato? No. Not at all. Under Leon Cameron, when he was playing as a sole mid, Tom Green averaged 112. So that brought his overall average up to a 97.1. So in my mind, he's fucking discounted as all shit. And he's had a... a a practice half season run at it, Pato. And he's lost the even more puppy fat. He's looked ripped as fuck. And on the weekend, he just took the absolute piss um, with Josh Kelly and a couple of other giants. So I, I'm all for the Tom Green breakout this year. It's going to happen this year. And I'm pretty sure everyone else is saying the same thing. I, I agree. I think he's at a tremendous price point for what I think he's going to produce. I just have doubts about whether he's going to make the leap to 110 plus category. I I can see him going 105 easily. I want to see him over the whole course of a season maintain this before I'm super confident on Tom Green. There's contingency in place. He's at a price where if he goes 120 and 130 in the first couple couple of weeks, pardon me, um, then... There's there's scope that you can move things around and you can bring him in. I just I don't see him in the group of top ten mids, and that's why I'm not keen on starting him because when we do a full team reveal, Dana, you'll see I've gone full mid price fucking YOLO madness. And 
Um, I don't want to have to use another trade to go from Tom Green to a guy that's going to be top 10 to 15. So that's the only reason I'm not going to start him, but I'm not going to tell someone that is starting him that they're wrong because I think the 30% of teams that have Tom Green are going to have a nice, um, the very worst, he's going to make 80 to 100K and then you flick him off at the buy. So I think the scoring will absolutely be there in the first half of the year. I just don't know how he's going to maintain it throughout the whole yeah. year. That's he's, my going an, he's going to be an absolute tease to start the year too, Pato, because the, the the Giants' first five or seven games or whatever is just fucking tantalizing as shit. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they start off with a nice juicy matchup against Adelaide. Mm. And, I mean, would it shock me to see him do 140? No. Then they've got West Coast. There's another 140. Easy. Um, mm-hmm. Then he's got Carlton, so it'd be interesting to see how he goes ahead to head against uh, Paddy Cripps. Yeah, um, if Cripps is on the park, yeah, he'll play. He'll play. Uh, then he's got Essen, and then he runs into Hawthorne and the tag there. So I don't think they'll tag him yeah. though. Hawthorne are going to tag two guys every week, mate. They won't tag Tom Green. I think he's too big for them to tag. I think they'll go with um, Josh Kelly Dilly. and someone else, maybe like a Finn Callahan. Someone on the yeah, or a backer. Yeah. or a Whitfield, or a Cumming. Oh, come dog, Milo. Um, or anyway, we'll move, we'll move. We'll move on to another breakout contender. We kind of did break out last year, um, but that was uh, Luke Davies Uniac. Uh, he's twenty three years of age. Um, LDU um, sounds like a dyslexic UDL. Um, one hundred and one point two <laughs> average last year. <laughs> Uh, had a That's high... an upside down UDL, mate. <laughs> um, his high was 149 and his lowest was a 27, but that was a sub-affected game. Um, so without the sub-affected game, his lowest was a 68. So no matter what, you got him in a little bit of a discount, I guess. Last five games of the season was 105.4 average. Last 10 games, Pato, 136 average and from rounds 12 to 23 it equated to a 113.2 average so warranted breakout contender there the only issue is will it happen i have reservations he didn't do himself any favors over the weekend but he played against the the hardest midfield to play against in the bulldogs even without those guys so they were destroyed in the midfield, um, as most teams will against the Dogs. So we'll give him a little bit of a pass mark there, but he had 18 touches in a full-time midfield role. And I, yeah, I I can see him probably going about the same, so about 100 average. I Maybe that'll spike to about 105, but just like with Tom Green, I can't see it being a 115 plus, but it wouldn't shock me if it is. So with LDU, the first game of the season he's got is the West Coast Eagles. So we, he might do a little bit of a tease for everyone in that first round. Um, he's priced at 557K. Um, he's in 5% of teams. So he's a big POD category. But he's in the same category as Tom Green, I I reckon, um, Pato. But I reckon Tom Green's the better of the two. Um, and 30% of the competition agrees with me, uh, with me there. At the um, end of the day, for for an extra six thousand, you can get Will Brody, and I think that's a better lot than the three of them. Yep, that's that's fair enough. And Bailey Smith's in that 
category two. We're not going to talk about Bailey Smith because there's just too many fucking Western Bulldogs mids. Um, the next guy we're going to talk about in his draft year, um, no one really spoke about him uh, because they, Matt Rowell was the talk of the town. And every year he's gradually gotten better, this bloke, and it's Noah Anderson from the Gold Coast Suns. Uh, he averaged 100.4 last year, Pato, um, and he got through 21 games, uh, a high of 154, uh, but there was a low in there of a 55. Now, this is where it gets a little bit juicy. His last 10-game average, Pato, what do you reckon it was? Was it about 110? Fuck, you're good. 110.3. So... Solid there, back half of the season. And that's when you look at, generally when you look at breakout contenders, you'd look at that. Like with Davies Uniac was 113.6. So I I, I like Noah Anderson. Um, and I like him as a bit of a POD. Um, but again, he's in that same category as LDU and Green. And I think you had, if you, you can only pick one, obviously maximum, you're not going to pick all three of them. So... Um, yeah, but I reckon Noah Anderson can have a really good season for the Suns, and I reckon he can improve to 105 average. Pato. Yeah, I I really like Noah Anderson. Um, I watched a little bit of the Gold Coast Suns last year, just just because I had two, and just why not? And um, I like I like Noah. Um, he's going into his fourth year, and I do like a fourth year breakout contender. I think that's a real sweet spot. Um, he's played 58 games, so. He's approaching breakout category. Uh, we know he's a highly rated junior coming out of Oakley. Um, would it shock me if he went up to 110 average? No. Um, but I would be shocked. I, I think I don't think the there's enough growth there. I don't think there's enough scope for that spike year. Um, I think it's maybe 12 months early with Noah Anderson to be proper keeper relevant. I think you pick him up in a draft, you'd be absolutely happy to have him on field. Um, he'll have his 120 games. He'll have his 90-odd games. That just comes with the territory. But I think once he hits that 80-game experience mark, I can see an absolute explosion from from Mr. Anderson. So LDU, Anderson and Green is one year too early this year, according to Pato, whereas I am different. Uh, <laughs> so moving on. Here's a guy that's had over 80 games experience on our list. Are we going to talk about our favorite STLA? No, we're not going to talk about Shout out to the guff, um, but I don't think he's relevant this year, Pato. We we picked his breakout year. That's all we needed to do. Um, yeah, so shout out to the guff, but we're, you're not relevant this year, mate. I'm so sorry. Prove me wrong. <laughs> but we're moving on to a guy at a very interesting price point with a very interesting role at a very interesting team. And that's Tom Mitchell going to Collingwood. So he averaged just Yeah. Just quickly before we go on with that, just a super quick one. Wouldn't shock me to see Jaden Short play full-time defense again and pick up defense status. He's 543,000. I'm not advocating to start him at all because he's a midfielder only to start the year. But as he picks up that DPP, we know what Short can do in defense. And, yeah, I think him and Rioli could run that half-back line. But, anyway, moving on. Yeah, we should have really picked that up at the next the bloke after Tom Mitchell. But, anyway, um, we'll quickly go through Tom Mitchell. So, 96.1 average last year, high of a 142, low of a 40. 
Uh, his last five games, he averaged 102.4. His round 12 to 23 average wasn't that great. It was a 97.5. Um, his discounted price, Pato, um, new team. He scored okay in the preseason game. What are your thoughts? I'm not picking Tom Mitchell. I just don't think he's going to be that fucking 35 disposal getting guy that gets like 170 and whatnot anymore. I think there's real upside here. Uh, I, I The price point is really juicy. I decided to find another 40K and go to Brody instead, but if you can't do that in your team, Tom Mitchell, I am really high on. Now, people talk about the meters gained all that bullshit. That doesn't fucking matter. The guy got it in underneath, got it out to the outside, guys. Um, just look at the stats. I mean, Taylor Adams had a great game. Josh Dacos had a great game off a wing. He who shall not be named, got a bit of the footy. Um, yeah. Even Crisp got 111. And, um, yeah, Dacos got tagged heavily. But Tom Mitchell, just like he's made a career of, is going to be the guy getting it underneath, scooping it out to those guys and letting them kick goals on the run. And Collingwood are going to play a handball-heavy game just like they did last year. The McRae's comes from that Richmond factory. It's not kick mark like Hawthorne were trying to play last year. It's handball, get it forward, live ball. And Tom Mitchell thrives in that sort of environment. And he averaged 96 last year off about 20 to 30% CBAs, which is absolutely criminal for one of the best inside mids in the game. His best is past him, yes, but can he get to 105? Absolutely. That's what I think Tom Mitchell will do. 105 average. And at 528000 he is priced very well for that. Yep, that's fair enough. We'll move on to the next bloke who realistically we should have brought up short with him. That's Lockie Whitfield at the Giants. He's listed as a sole midfielder in Supercoach. Um, yeah, his average was 86 last year, high of 125, low of 43. Um, his back half of the year from rounds 12 to 23 was a 94.1. New coach, back on halfback flank, um, Pado. You can talk about him because I don't really want to. Yeah, I'll take the reins here, Dano. I know you don't like talking about your uh, your Giants boys, the fear of being a little bit biased. Uh, Lockie Whitfield, I mentioned a little bit last week. I, I think the Giants, as we saw over the weekend, our flu looked really good, Dano, and I don't think you caught the game, judging off our group chat, but... I watched this game because there's a, quite a few guys I'm looking at at both of these clubs. And the run off halfback, um, the slingshot footy, they, they they called it the tsunami. It's not really the tsunami that they used to play with. It's just run and carry. It's, again, the Richmond style of play. Run and carry, find targets, handball it forward. Lockie Whitfield is a great runner. He's going to pick up DPP because he's playing off halfback. 473,000 for a guy that could easily be a top eight defender and has history of that sort of scoring in this role. I think it's crazy good value. You've got to start him in your midfield, but it doesn't really matter in round one. No, because by round six, you can easily swap him into your defense, swap him with a Ginby, swap him with a Constable, Chincotta, whoever the fuck you want to start in defense that has midfield eligibility, just swap him with Whit Whitfield uh, when he gets that DPP. So I really like Whitfield. Sure, there's some durability issues there. 
when you start him, that's not as bad because you can easily trade him out. As I said, you get 476 trades now. Just trade him out. He only played 18 games last year. That's actually pretty good for him, for Whitfield. But, yeah, the, the halfback line is looking really good with the Giants. Now, we've got some more data now, Dano, since we spoke last. Yep. Coming at a really good game. Lockie Ash had a really good game. Now, Whitfield didn't have a great game against the Giants. Still got 25 touches. Still got 86, which is fine. If that's going to be the worst he does over the season, I think you're fine with that at that price point. But... I can see that being his absolute floor, and he's going to score more than that over the weekend, over the year. Okay, so as we've just discussed, Lockie Whitfield, we are now in the mid-price territory, Pado. So we've got a few guys to discuss in the mid-price category. First one being a guy that I've been eyeing the fuck off all preseason. I can't find a way to fit him into my team. I picked him up in a draft league, though, and I'm fucking very happy about it. And that's Lockie Hunter from Melbourne because he did get traded from the Doggies. So I thought he was actually in his 30s, Pato, but he's only 28. Um, Now, the reason why he's priced at 392K is because he was all over the fucking shop last year. Uh, He only played the nine games. He had the drink-driving incident and whatnot, and it really fucked with him. So he had a high of 113 and a low of 49. But, um, yeah, the main reason is in the preseason, the two practice games he's played... um, yeah, he got in the first one was 27 disposals. I think it was one goal and three goal assists. And then he pretty much backed it up with similar numbers um, in the second practice game. So I really I really like him, but he's just that 392K isn't around the mid 300K range that I like. And I feel like you could use the extra 40K elsewhere to get like a better rookie or two rookies or something. This was a really underrated pickup by Melbourne, just from a footy sense. Um, oh, yeah. One of the elite wingmen in the game to go with, an already elite wingman at Melbourne. Mm. Um, Yeah, they, they should be absolute favourites for the flag this year, but I'm digressing. Uh, Lockie Hunter is interesting because in this price category, there aren't too many people with the history of him mm. of scoring well in a really positive role. Now I wish I had his CBA numbers from the weekend and Wouldn't I matter. don't unfortunately, but um, so the wing role can just be so volatile. Don't know. You can, you can have really big one ten games, but you can also have sixties and seventies if the ball just doesn't find itself on that wing for a game. So he's going to be held a little bit more accountable in certain games as well. Um, He really, took advantage of the wing he played on on the weekend against Richmond. And, you know, he got himself 26 touches. But I I just think that there's only so many points to go around. I think Gorn is going to have a really good year scoring-wise. Now, we'll talk about that when we talk about the Rucks in that podcast. Oliver's going to do Oliver things. Petrarca's going to do Petrarca things. Uh, There's plenty of points for those defenders as well. Like, Grundy's going to have his big games too. Yeah, okay, yeah, okay. Like, I just... Brayshaw, Stephen May, even Jake Bowie. I just, I struggle to see where the points are coming from. Now, I do, I do like it. I think there's upside there, but does the upside go above ninety to ninety five? I'm not sure. I just don't think it's going to be enough, Dana. And I think there's guys around that price point that are going to score more and make more money, and they're in better roles. And no doubt, we'll talk about the the most owned guy and the obvious one. Yeah. Um. 
but yeah, I think Hunter will have absolutely big games and he'll have lower games as well. And I, that's why I'm skeptical. I he could end up going back to 2017 or whatever it was, Lucky Hunter. In all honesty, um, I think to make 150k or whatever it was that someone was working out how he can make 150k, I think he needs to get a 95, which I think is actually doable. Um, but yeah, it's I can't find a way to put him into my team. Um, but don't be surprised if he does fucking blow up. Is what I'm so getting here's at. the thing: 2018 Lockie Hunter averaged. 102. Oh, that's the year, I think. In 21 games. But he played midfield. Now, he had 40-plus games. He had 35-plus games. Like, he had some monster scores in there playing as a midfielder. Obviously, he's not doing... I think that's the year that Libba missed. Yeah. And he essentially played midfield to replace Libba when he missed the year with ACL. Now, 2020, he played nine games for a 115 average. Um, I have a feeling that was also a year that Liber missed a lot of footy. And again, it just he jumped into that midfield role and just went berserk in that role. Um, now if Oliver went down for a three month, three or four month injury, would I absolutely jump on Lockie Hunter? Yes, because he'd be the guy that would replace him. Um, well, I don't even feel like he's going to get that too many CBAs because we saw over on the weekend we saw. Cozzy Pickett got mid mid uh, center bounce attendances. Um, you know, James Harms is still going to get his CBAs. Um, I don't think CBAs matters with Lockie Hunter when he's absolutely slutting it up on a wing. Correct, but the ceiling isn't one hundred five plus. The ceiling's not. But it doesn't. It doesn't have to be though. That's the thing. He he can get. You're thinking of him as being a primo. He's not a primo. So why wouldn't you just spend 60K less and get Jacob Popper? Well, that was the argument that I just made before. Correct. Yeah, so, yeah, but there, I can I can see why someone would pick him. I I could too, but unless one of the main mids went down and he replaced him in the midfield, I'm passing on Hunter, personally. So moving on from Lockie Hunter, we just moved, we just mentioned um, Jacob Hopper, who's the next bloke at 332k, most selected out of all of these mid prices by a country fucking mile. Um, yeah, hop to it, man! Like he's back, he's physically good. Like in 2022, only played seven games. He's 26 years of age. Um, his average in 2022 was 67, but he was nursed through a lot of shit very carefully. Um, full-time mid with his brother, Taranto. So, yeah, there's a lot to like. Even, like, I think with him, I think he only needs to average about an 89 to make 150K if I was, if I'm right, which he should crack the, I can see, I can, everyone's thinking Hopper will go 105 or something. He won't do that. He could very well crack 100 for the first time in his career. Uh, but I think it managing, Managing things, if he gets a 95, that's a fucking huge win. 95 average, Pato. He'll make you over 150K and then you just use him as a stepping stone. So I, I like it. I, and so does most of the competition too. Yeah, I think there's, if, a, if there's a Richmond midfielder that goes 105 plus, it's going to be Taranto, not Hopper. Yeah. If we can get Hopper to 500K, I think that's a huge win. Huge win. 
and that's why he's in your team. Yeah. It's going to make sure that he's going to get keep make sure that you can get 100k and go to be a stepping stone to a to a lead or an Oliver or whatever. So that's Jacob Popper's role. If for some whatever reason he goes to 110, great, you got a keeper, but he's a he's a ride it out until he's by and take the take the funds and get him into a primo. Um I don't think we have to spend too much time talking about this guy, Dano, because he's in 46% of teams. Yeah. I'm shocked that that's not towards 60 to 70, but I think it's because we've got other mid-price options. But I'm a little bit surprised you didn't sneak a guy on the run sheet, Dano, that run shit, run sheet, um, that is at 335,000 and in a new role this year, back to where he, he naturally plays his footy. Oh, who is it? Uh, it's a Giants player. Yeah, go. And he played half back on the weekend and got 30 touches. Rotating through the midfield a, too, by the way. And a 129 Supercoach score. Yeah, rotating through the midfield too if you're looking at group chat. Mate, I'm not going to catch up on 200 fucking messages. <laughs> you know what I mean? uh, but yeah, yeah, name who it is. But anyway, uh, Lockie Ash, I, another one that will probably pick up DPP um, at a great price point and there's huge upside there. We've seen pretty solid scoring ability from Lockie Ash. The only concern is those three rebounding guys, Ash, Cumming, Whitfield, they'll probably all have big games. They'll probably all have like 80 to 90 games. So as a pre, as a hold, probably not. But as a guy that could probably make similar coin to Hopper. Nah. I, th- I, can't, I can't see him going I, that I can high. see it happening. I can't. Um yeah, the I did I did say in our little group chat that don't um don't really look too much into uh Lockie Ash or another player um too much because they'll be going to run through the midfield a fair bit in that game at, to the detriment of Cornelio. Because I just wanted to see who else could rotate through that middle if someone goes down with an injury and one of them was Ash. So yeah, it's a very inflated score for what he would actually produce um same with disposal numbers and whatnot so yeah i wouldn't read too much into it unless like a canelio or someone goes down right yeah next one though is yeah. dom sheed yeah. uh dom sheed is the same price pretty much as jacob hopper at 332k um he only had the one game in 2022 um and that was for a 67 so yeah, another guy like Hopper hasn't cracked over a hundred average before, um, but he's there to make you money. I just think personally that Hopper is the better of the two and most of the competition does think the same. And yeah, I just, you could, you could have one or both. Um, some people are rolling with both. I'm just sticking to the one. Yeah, no, nah, not for me. He'll forever just be the guy that's hit the best uh, goal in grand final, AFL grand final history. <laughs> Um, but yeah, not for me. He's only 27, so he's, he's younger than you think, but no. Now, Pato, if I said that there's a bloke that I'm considering putting on field over Hopper, would you think I'm crazy? It depends who it is, but if it's a guy that wears uh, the poo-poos and wee-wees, then I'll be telling you you're an idiot. No, it's not the poo-poos and wee-wees. It's Will Setterfield at Essendon. Just got traded Oh, I like it. I like it. So, and being a former Giants top 10 draft pick, 
he left the Giants pretty much after a season um, with his injuries and whatnot. Um, drafted as an inside midfielder, uh, put on the weight, went to Carlton. Carlton fucked around with him way too much. When he did play in the guts, he he cracked over 100, Pato. But then Patrick Cripps would come back and they'd push him out to a wing where he was not comfortable and he'd score shit. So Will Setterfield is 348K. I got a taste of what he can do on in that pracky game. He played as that inside player. So many Carlton fans were so shitty watching Essendon play, not because they're shit, but because they were seeing Will Setterfield doing what he should have been doing at Carlton, which is play in the guts. I don't know what his score was, but just from eye test and shit alone was good. Um, watching that replay. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if he cracked 120 or something or 115 um, if you want to try and find out whatever the fuck that score was. Um, but, yeah, he's 25 years of age and I, I can, I'm so tempted to switch Hopper out and put Setterfield in. Here's my issue with that, Dano. Yep. You've got Zach Merritt, who's the undisputed number one dude in that midfield. Yep. You've got Darcy Parrish, who's the number two guy. Yeah. Who's your inside ball sort of player who will get tagged a lot. We we referenced that earlier. Yeah. And you've got a different former GWS midfielder also there that I feel can't play anywhere else but midfield. And uh, I, he's not he's not the same player as Setterfield though. No, Sheila and Setterfield are very different players, but mm-hmm. I just. When push comes to shove, I feel like the main midfield group is going to be Merritt, Shield, Parrish. Now, I don't. I think Shield should be playing VFL. I I think that lowly of him as a football player, and I think Setterfield should be in that midfield group. But is it going to be? I don't think so. Now, if round one teams come out and Dylan Shield is not in that team and Setterfield's in the midfield, that gives me something to think about. I just I. I oh. I'm looking at now. Okay, so I wasn't far off. Um, so Setterfield got 119 against St Kilda. On the weekend, yes, against the Saints. Yeah. In a losing effort, mind you. Yeah, and all of the tweets, all like one of them, Setterfield, love heart. Oh, my God. All the tweets about McGrath and Setterfield, 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 something tells me this is going to be his year. Um, one of them was talking about Warple. I don't know why. Setterfield, great role. One of them's just Setterfield. I can Twitter's going ape shit, and yeah, I just I I I don't know how many CBAs he got. Let's have a look. Um, I don't even know if this is fucking. Oh yeah, there we go. So he's actually you get, get a lot he got eight. That. He got eight. So Dylan Shield got twelve, Parish eleven, Merritt ten, Setterfield eight. So yeah, I'd anyway, it's something for me to think about, something for everyone else to think about. He's three forty eight K, so he's slightly more than a hopper. Um we're gonna move on to we'll move on to Warple, the poos and wheeze. Um don't like it myself. Um a lot of people are liking it. So he's 24. He played 11 games last year, um, 56.2 average. 309K, Pato, so he's a bit cheaper than the others. But um, yeah, there's a reason for that. Yeah, there is. 
but people are thinking that he could go back to like that season where he got in the nineties, the average in the nineties. So, um, and he did crack a hundred, I think, in his pracky game. Whereas the pracky game before, he looked like absolute poos and wheeze. So, <laughs> I don't like it. Yeah, neither do I. I don't like neither it. Do I. Um, he had five clangers on the weekend. He had 18 CBAs. He only played 67% time on ground. I don't know if he lasts in the team even, Dana. I don't think his role is safe because he's a turnover merchant. Yeah. And I just, I I can't see it staying if he's just going to keep turning the ball over. I think even if you look at a Ward, a Newcomb, Will Day, I think they're better off using those guys in midfield and... Warple can't play anywhere else. So I feel like he'll be a VFL guy eventually yeah. by the by the bye. And potentially, to be honest, a sub risk. I could see Maybe. I can I can see if he plays, I'll be like, what the fuck? Get him out of there now. Maybe. Yeah, I don't know. Last guy on our list, uh, he's 244k and another Giants guy, which is Finn Callahan. 19 years of age, only played the five games last year, uh, a high of 76, a low of 33, um, sub games and whatnot. So the reason why he's got the new coach, he got given a wing role on the weekend, Pato, and what the fuck did he do? Uh, he was brilliant. He was actually brilliant. He was argue- arguably, according to all sources, B.O.G., they reckon he was up whoa, there. Whoa, in the, whoa, they whoa. they reckon arguably he was BOG in the top or in the top whoa, three. Well, well. Now I I watched most of this game. Josh Kelly, Tom Green. Yeah, I know, I know. Were they much he's better. In the top three, as you'd expect. Um, but Callahan did look great. Now, really highly rated youngster midfielder, um, high draft pick. If I'm not wrong, Dano. Yep, very high. Um. But had injury issues come into the AFL, so that's why it's taken him a little while to to come through. Um, I I don't know, Dano. I I can't. He's nineteen still. Yeah, second year, and he's only played five games. So at two hundred forty four thousand, he'd have to average eighty to to warrant anything. And I just I can't. I can't see the upside there. Um, I think he could have some good games, but that wing role I hate for Supercoach. Tango, now this is this is the thing where people are saying Finn Callahan. So you know how you're saying how wings can go really fucking high one week and low the next. Yeah, he can go really fucking high. If he gets that in his three round rolling average. That's all you need. Yeah. But two hundred forty-four thousand, like that's that's the downside. It's too high. His break-even's forty-four. So all it takes is one fifty in his three-round average. Even if he does have a one-twenty game, it just fucks up the rolling average. So I just think he's too expensive. Yeah, that's um, fair he's enough. He's at a really awkward price point. Like I think Ashcroft is awkward enough, but I think Ashcroft is a <laughs> yeah. far better option. Even though everyone has Ashcroft. Um, I think is a much better option for forty k less because he's just going to make more money. Yeah, that's fair enough. Anyway, Pato, we're debating. We're not going to talk about 
the dreaded man. Oh, yeah. Sorry, I did skip the dreaded man. I will go to the dreaded man because Pato really wants him on there. Jai Cully of the West Coast Eagles or the West Coke Eagles, whichever one you want to call him. So he's 20 years of age. You don't realize that. He was a mid-season draft pick. So you're like, oh, yeah, he's real mature. No, he's only 20. Um, yeah, he played the four games, 62.8 average. Um, but, Pato, why do you want to talk about him? We didn't play the practice game against Adelaide. And I don't know why. Um, but you talk about role. That West Coast midfield is fucking hot steaming doo-doo. And he's going to play in there when he plays. So I think there's upside there. Um, He did get a pretty bad suspension last year, Dano. Did he flog someone off the ball or something? Yeah, he's – yeah, something like that. So, <laughs> bit of a hothead. Only played four games last year, 63 average, 2% of teams. Um, Again, just like with Callahan, um, really, really awkward price point. You'd want an 85 average at least. He's got it it. in him, I think, but yeah, no, probably not for me, but I just think it's worth a a small discussion before we move on. Yeah, that's fair enough. Okay. So we were arguing about doing a top 10 midfielders and there's too many close calls for my liking. So I've pushed for a top 12 and you have agreed. So have you rejigged your top 12, Pato? Yeah, yeah, I've added two on the end. Beautiful. Okay, so who is your number one midfielder? And we're excluding DPP guys um, because we are focusing them in their other roles, like a Dunkley. We'll be focusing as a forward rather than mid. So your first guy, Pato, who's ranked number one midfielder for 2023, you reckon? Rory Led. I agree. Let's move on to the next one because I reckon it's going to be different. So who's your number two ranked? Oliver. So I've gone Lockie Neal. I reckon Lockie Neal will go back to being his absolute best. Um, who's your number three, Paddo? McRae. Wow. Okay. My number three was Clayton Oliver. But who's okay? So you have McRae. So you've gone Led Oliver McRae. Yep. Yep. And I've gone Led Neal Oliver. Who's your number four? Yep. Tuke. Yeah, okay. My number four is McRae. Right. So they're similar positions there, Pato. Three and four. Yep. Yep. Usually we're not this close. <laughs> Who's your number five? Bonson Pelly. You're going the big drop off for Neil. I've gone Tuke. So again, similarly, similarly picked. Who's your number six? Neil. So mine's Bontempelli. <laughs> right. Yeah, There's not going to be much between these guys. Yeah, I was I was humming and hurry. I reckon Neil will go top three. No. Fair. He's too fucking good. All right, here's um, where it's going to get interesting, don't I? Yes. So this is where mine fucking opened up, and people are going to disagree with me where I've ranked, I reckon, three of these dudes. So pick number top seven. Who's your seventh one? Josh Kelly. Okay. I've gone Darcy Parrish. Parrish? Darcy Parrish. Yep. Wh- what? Yep. I wow. told you you got to disagree with me. Yes. I told you you were. I just, yeah, I, I reckon he will improve. He will improve. 
Number eight. Merritt. Okay. I've gone Patrick Cripps. Interesting. Yeah. Um, you take you take away his sub-affected game and then you really see how his score inflates. So, yeah. Number nine. Oh, yeah, he's a ball win healthy. Yeah. He's sitting down. Oh, fuck, here we go. Number nine. Will Brody. Wowee, holy shit. I've got Christian Petrarca. <laughs> okay. Shiznit. Okay, yep. Number 10. Petrarca. I've got Callum Mills. I've got him sliding just because I reckon he will have mid games, but I've, for some reason, I just think he's going to start. The horse will use him as a utility a bit too much and it'll affect his average. Now, number 11. George Hewitt. Fucking hell. Okay. I've gone Josh Kelly as number 11. Now, number 12. You're going to love my number 12. Andrew Brayshaw. Mine's Tom Green. Oh, fuck off. I, re- <laughs> I reckon Tom Green will do so, it. So neither of us have Jack Steele in their top 12. You think Tom Green will score more than Jack Steele? Yes. Wow. Mate, I don't have... You think Darcy Parrish will score more than Jack Steele? Yes. Wow. I don't have Merritt, Brayshaw, Hewitt, Walsh. Steel or Brody. Very interesting. I reckon it's going to be a, but factoring this in, you look at the amount of guys that averaged in the teens last year and then it drops off. I reckon there's going to be a lot more teen averaging mids this year. And that's what's going to fuck up the top 12. So I reckon you can get anywhere up to maybe 14. Or even fifteen mids, all average, over one hundred and ten. How many was there last year? They'll see. Look at it. Yeah, there was fifteen, uh, fourteen last year that averaged over one hundred and ten. Yeah, and I reckon that that'll push more towards the teens. Well, yeah, I think Steele moves into that. Kelly moves into that. Brody moves into that. Libba could easily move into it. Brad yeah, Libba Lib- could do anything. Yeah. Yeah, he, so there's definitely could, guys yeah. that can move into that. I reckon, yeah, I reckon those midfielders are going to make a big push this year. Yeah. But, yeah, I reckon Tom, it's Tom Green's year. Interesting. And I want it to happen. I'm I'm throwing it out to the universe because I picked him in my side. <laughs> All right, Pato. Ooh, that was a good podcast. A little bit of controversy towards the end there. A little bit of disagreement. Yes. Yeah, but yeah, I I do agree. Will Brody will I I personally think Will Brody will have a better season than Brayshaw, super coach wise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just yeah, ooh, interesting. I like that. I like that a lot. All right, Pato, what's your super coach handle, man? My super coach handle is Dusty for PM. Oh fuck me, Dad. Um, well, my super coach handle is actually Kingsley's biceps. Uh- <laughs> Oh, what they are some big biceps. I I I, for, I was gonna actually put it down as Kingsley's pipes, but I didn't know if that sounded too drug related or not. So I went to Kingsley's. Yeah, we're biceps. not talking about the barley king. Yeah, um, but what's your Twitter handle? I should say it's at p a double t o s triple c. 
and mine is at D-A-N-E-O-S triple C. Pado, do you have anything further to add? No, it's time for bed. Yeah, it's time for fucking bed. Anyway, from us at the Supercoach Co-Captains, I'm Dano. And I'm Pado. And this is us signing the fuck off. Whoop.